been so encouraged by what God is doing in our community. You know, as you looked at the people that were spanned all across the front of the stage, uh, what, what the reality is that some of those people are going to be with City Light for a long time. Uh, but we desire to be a sending church, whether missionaries or church planning, and some of you stood up here, some of you out there, you will be sent out, maybe a church plant or a missionary to another place. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Mark chapter 6. I mean, you know, right now, as a humanity, as a human race, we're living in a really, um, yeah, un unrest, a moment of unrest, a season of, of chaos and crisis. And basically, you know, it started several months ago with the coronavirus. A lot of us were thinking, okay, how do we respond to a worldwide pandemic? But now, you know, with, with the country that we live in in Taiwan, there's more and more strained relations with China, there's riots, and there's social upheaval in other countries. And the question is, how do you survive? How do you thrive in a moment that we're living in? You know, there was a season where I worked on a farm and I worked with cows, and what I discovered really quickly is that cows are some of the dumbest animals alive. And the reason, and the reason why they're so dumb is that they're stubborn. That they don't know that you're leading them to a place that's good for them, where they can be fed or greener pasture. <laughs> and every time that you want to lead them maybe to where they're getting fed, I remember it was just a struggle. It was a pull, it was a push, it was a wrestling to, to show them, to lead them to a place that's good for them. And many times I think what I've discovered about the human heart is that we're very similar. That every single one of us, whether we're a believer in Christ or not, we have a tendency to look for our peace, look for our rest, look for our provision outside of Christ and outside of who God is. And many times maybe you struggle and you think, well, I need to actually look to something other than Christ, other than Jesus for my peace, for my rest, or maybe for compassion or provision. But Mark leads us to a place in Mark chapter 6 where he's going to declare to us that Christ is enough. And the way that he does that is he reveals to us in this story that Jesus is the good shepherd. So if you would stand for the reading of the word of God, we'll read, we'll be in verses actually 30 through 44, but we're just going to read 30 through 34. 
Alright, let's read this together. One, two, three. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. He said to them, Come away by yourselves to a remote place and rest for a while. For many people were coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. So they went away in the boat by themselves to a remote place, but many saw them leaving and recognized them, and they ran on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a large crowd and had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And they began to teach them many things. Holy Spirit, we are dependent upon you to use the words that are spoken to bring life into our hearts. God, we pray as we walk away from this place this afternoon that we would love Jesus more, we would believe more of who he is. And we say together, Amen. Are right, you guys to be seated? Alright, so Mark's going to show us these several characteristics of who Jesus is as a good shepherd. If you look at your Bible in verse 30, it says that the apostles are so excited because they've just come back from this ministry that they had done. And it says that they reported to Jesus everything that they just did. And in verse 31, Jesus responds to their report by saying, Come away by yourselves and rest. That Jesus cares about his disciples. I mean, Mark even includes that they were so busy that they didn't even have time to eat. I don't know about you, but purely speaking on human terms, when I go a full day and I've not had time to eat, I'm not in the best mood. And Mark is describing for us, this is a busy, a tiring time for the disciples. And so Jesus says, come. If you look at verse 31, if you have a pen or a pencil, the word come actually should have this exclamation point after it. It's this really, really exciting invitation to come. And notice Jesus says, I want you to come and find
find your rest, not go away and rest. He wants them to come to him and find their rest. This word come actually is an invitation to spend time with someone, to deepen your relationship with someone, and that's what Jesus is inviting his disciples to. See, the Bible declares to you and to me that true rest is found not in just sleeping, not in just vegging out, but in relationship with Jesus. Alright, two weeks ago, Jesus, uh, we saw that Jesus sent his apostles out to do some work. That they were ministering to people. And guys, ministering to people, although really fulfilling, can be something that is really tiring. And so Jesus says, I want you to rest. See, God has created you and me and all of his creation to live in this rhythm of work and rest. Now, I don't know about you, but I know in, in my culture in America, but especially in Taiwan, I think people struggle to balance work and rest. Genesis chapter 2, it says this about God. Can you throw that up there? It says that on the seventh day, God had completed his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all of his work that he had done. Alright, Leviticus 23, this is the word of God, and also God cared for his people, and he said, listen, in Leviticus 23, work may be done for six days, but on the seventh day there's to be a Sabbath of complete rest. You're not to do any kind of work. The Bible actually has created you and me to have this balance of where we work, but also where we're reminded that we're created to be dependent upon a creator who cares for us. And as Jesus is inviting his disciples, we know that it's not just physical rest that he's inviting his disciples into. I mean, how many of you guys know that you can physically be doing nothing, but your mind and your heart are completely busy and it's hard to rest? That maybe you struggle to sleep, even though you are in your bed and your pillow's right there behind you. You're constantly thinking, maybe you're constantly worrying, and you cannot rest. Sorry, maybe you want to be present with your family. You're supposed to have a vacation with your family, spend time with your family, but you can't be present because your mind is filled with anxiety, with worry. 
那可能呢，你有计划要跟家人一起度假，可是你又没有办法跟他们在一起，你整天就在想这样子的一个事情。Sometimes I think actually for me it's harder work to rest. 那有时候对我个人来说的话呢，要我休息不容易。And yet Jesus says the good shepherd is a shepherd who gives us rest. 可是呢，这里告诉我们说呢，一个好的牧者他会让你给你安息安静。In Matthew 11:28 through 30, Jesus says, "This is the kind of rest that I want to give to you." He says, "Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me, because I'm lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls." Those those of you who have you know cars or motos, you know that if you don't have oil changes periodically, your car, your moto will break down, right? If you have a car or a motor, if you don't have oil changes periodically, your car, your moto will break down. Your engine will literally seize up, and your car will not work. And it's the same way for for our bodies that God has not designed our bodies to work like machines, but He's designed you and me to have relationship, to be dependent upon Him. And so Jesus says, "Come, come and spend time with me and find rest." Alright, but in verse 32 it says this: They went away in a boat by themselves to a remote place, but many people saw them leaving and recognized them, and they ran on foot from all of the towns and arrived ahead of them. 三十二节开始说，他们就坐船暗暗地往旷野地方去。可是呢，众人却看见他们去，有许多认识他们的，就从各城步行，一同跑到那里，比他们先赶到了。Right, so Jesus invited his disciples to come and have rest. And so, if you can imagine, you're one of the disciples. You're thinking, I can't wait, right? 那耶稣呢就跟门徒说，来，你们来得到安息哦。然后甚至可能其中的一个门徒就说，哇，真等不及要来休息了。I've been working so much, I haven't been able to eat. I'm gonna go spend time with Jesus, sit around a campfire, roast some marshmallows. It's gonna be amazing. I'm gonna rest. 我忙到都没有时间吃饭呢。终于有人说我们可以来休息。我准备到那个地方开始生个营火，然后在那边烤棉花糖，我可以休息。But in verse 33, there's a problem. 好，但是第三十三节有一个转折。Jesus made an invitation, but we see now that there's this interruption. 耶稣。It says many people saw them leaving and recognized them. And what I think Mark is telling us is now people aren't just recognizing Jesus anymore, but they're actually also saying, "Wait, those are his disciples that actually came to our town and preached and healed. I know them too." And it says all these people began to run after them. 马可呢，在这里要给我们看到的一个画面，就是不只是大家知道耶稣，而是那些跟随过耶稣的这些门徒，也曾经在这些人的城镇里面神神迹奇事，所以他们就跟着他们一起去。So the disciples are on the boat. It says in verse 34, when Jesus went ashore, he saw this large crowd. 那到三十四节呢，耶稣一上岸就看见有许多的人。
Wait, is, now isn't this the huge crowd that the disciples thought that they were kind of getting a rest from? Isn't this the same crowd that they were leaving before to get rest? This is the same crowd that they were actually leaving to get rest from, and now they're here on the other side. I mean, imagine you're one of the disciples, and you think that this is what's going to be your time of Jesus with Jesus of rest, and then all of a sudden you get to this shore, and it's the same people. I don't know how you respond to interruptions, but maybe you're the kind of person who you know the kind of work that you want to get done in one day. You know what kind of summer vacation you want to have. And any interruptions from people or situations are seen as a major obstacle. But I want us to see how Jesus responds to this. Verse 34, it says that when he saw this large crowd of needy people, it says that he had compassion on them. Now this word compassion, actually, it's not found in any other Greek literature. That's what this means is that the gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they literally invented a word because there was no other word in their language that could describe the feeling, the compassion that Jesus had for these people. This word compassion is a, is, a, is a picture of this deep, deep emotional pity and, and sympathy and compassion towards people. If you look at verse 34 and following, why did Jesus have compassion on these people? Was it because they were hungry? Was it because they needed healing? Was it because they were out late at night and needed to go rest? No, it says that Jesus had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. If you go back one slide, Matthew 9.36 says this about the crowds. It says, when he saw the crowds, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dejected like sheep without a shepherd. But I want us to get this picture. These are needy people. And I think the disciples, after they saw these needy people who wanted them to pray for them or they needed them to minister to them, they probably had some irritation. 
那呃，这个门徒们呢，真的是希望可以为他们祷告，然后来服侍他们，但是也会很烦哈。But how does Jesus respond to their neediness? 那你觉得耶稣怎么样来回应别人的需求 ？As he comes to the other side of the shore, does he say, "Oh man, not you guys again. We're trying to get away from you." 那他耶稣并不是到了那个岸边另外一另外一头的时候说，我天哪，怎么又是你们？ As he looks at their neediness, does, does he respond with impatience or annoyance or anger? It says that he saw their neediness and he responded in compassion. Church, whenever Jesus looks at your neediness, whenever He looks at my neediness, He does not respond with annoyance or impatience or anger. It says that He looks and He responds with compassion. That Jesus is the good shepherd, full of compassion, who wants to lead us, who wants to care for us. All throughout Scripture, God had promised that there was going to be this Messiah who was going to succeed where every single leader had failed. In Ezekiel 34, God says this about Jesus. He says, "I will establish over them one shepherd, and he will shepherd them. He will tend them himself, and will be their shepherd." 我必立一个牧人，就是我的仆人大卫，看管他们，牧养他们。他必牧养他们，做他们的牧人。Here's the thing: is I know that many of us in here we hate to admit that we're needy. 那我知道，在我们当中很多人呢，都不想要承认我们有一个需要。That many of us, when we ask for prayer or whenever we talk about things with our community, we really struggle sometimes to really admit that we're needy people. But I hope, as we see the compassion of Christ, that we would come and respond with all of our needs, knowing that He wants to care, He wants to lead, He wants to feed us. You know, if you want to experience this kind of compassion, if you want to experience this kind of grace, Tim Keller says this. He said, if you want God's grace, all you need is need. All you need is nothing. And I know that many of you in this room are experiencing great needs. You're wondering what God's going to do. You're wondering how God's going to provide. What's this season going to look like? When is this going to be over? Or maybe you have something in your heart that you continue to struggle with, and you're wondering, why am I like this? Why can't I be different? And even though the church doesn't always respond the right way, I hope that you would see that there is no human being on this earth that could compare to the kind of compassion that Jesus wants to give you in the midst of your need. 
知道，甚至连教会都没有办法能够像耶稣一样的来怜悯你的所有一切需要。And I think some of us need to believe that this afternoon that God looks at your neediness and He says, "Have compassion on you." 我们这个时候呢，真的呢要来谨记，其实他看见我们的需要，他怜悯你。I'm the good shepherd. Would you receive my care? Would you receive my love? As we go through the story, what's really clear is that the apostles they don't get it. They don't get what Jesus is trying to do here, right? I imagine that the apostles are a little bit annoyed. And guys, I mean, they still haven't eaten yet, right? All right, and so then, this is that. This is not the apostles' idea of what it means to rest. And so, and so here, guys, if we look at verse 36, the apostles tell Jesus this. This place is deserted, and it is already late. Send them away, so they they can go in the countryside and villages to buy themselves something to eat. Now this this actually this phrase is a command. They're actually commanding Jesus. Listen, you're kind of like stuck here. We know there's no options. Why don't you send these people back somewhere so they get cared for? And I think many times that's that's our kind of mo. That instead of sending people to Jesus, we kind of want to send them away. Hey, you should go here to get cared for, here to get cared for. But Jesus said, "Don't send them away. I want them to come to me." And if that's not if that's not enough, Jesus actually tells the apostles, "Listen, you guys feed them." He says, "You feed them." And it's like I'm sure Peter and James and John are like, wait, wait, we haven't eaten yet, Jesus, and you're wanting us to feed them first. That Jesus is asking the apostles to put the crowd's needs even above their own. Because that's exactly what Jesus does for us in the gospel, isn't it? So he says, "Go. I want you to feed them." And then Jesus begins this miracle. Now, if you're not familiar with the miracle, it's a five loaves and two fish. Right, but as you read the story, there's a question that should arise in our minds as we look at the story. And I want to ask you, why does Jesus not do the miracle before, before they got in the boat while they're on the other side of the shore? It, I mean, it's clear that the crowds here on the other side of the shore. Are basically the same people that were there before. So why doesn't Jesus just do the miracle there? Three times in this text, Mark tells us that Jesus intentionally leads his disciples and these crowds to a desolate place. 
个经文里面，我们可以看到有三次耶稣蓄意的带着他的门徒到了一个荒郊野地。This would be a place where it's completely deserted. Literally, there are no options. 就是没有任何的一个选择了，它就是荒郊野地。The Bible tells us that that's why the disciples actually wanted to send them back into town because they knew they had options to find food there. See, Christ wanted to take his disciples. He wanted to take the crowds to a place of desertedness, to a place where there's no options and where they had nothing but total dependence upon. Yeah. As many times we don't know Jesus is all we need until Jesus is all we have. 很多时候呢，我们要一直等到只剩下耶稣了，我们才晓得他才是我们最需要的。And I need us to see that Jesus doesn't lead us and doesn't lead His church into these moments of desolation to starve us, but He actually leads us into the moments to feed us. 其实呢，耶稣并不是把我们带到一个让我们饿死的地步，而是把我们带到那样子的一个饥饿的地步来喂养我们。He feeds us with true food, which is Himself, His provision, His power. And so, church, if you feel like you're in a place where you're in a desperate place, a desolate season, a moment of crisis, it is not because God is far from you. It is actually because he is drawing you into a deeper place of dependency and trust upon him. But this would be a place where basically there's no options. Like we don't have any of our things that we depend on, any of our little comforts, any of our idols that we worship. God wants them all. He says, "I don't want you to trust in them. I want you to come to a place where all you have is me." He wants us to have total dependence upon who He is. You know, I think I know that many of us in this room we feel like we're in one of these moments where you feel like your back is against the wall. If you're standing in front of an ocean that needs to be parted, or you feel like you're in a crisis moment. And what I've been so challenged by many of you is that this season, this situation, has actually not driven you away from Christ, but it's driven you to your knees and drawing near to Him. And I've been challenged by that. Second Corinthians four sixteen through eighteen says this. I want you to hear this and be encouraged by this. It says that our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. So we don't focus on what is seen. But on what is unseen, for what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Because our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. So we don't focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. 
我们所顾念的不是看得见的，而是看不见的，因为看得见的是暂时的，看不见的是永远的。So as we continue the story, Jesus, when he starts the miracle, he tells him in verse 38, he says, I want you to go see what you have. How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And if you look at Mark's story, what's interesting is that Jesus doesn't just do this miracle out of, you know, bread or fish raining down from the sky, right? He doesn't do it that way. Instead, he uses what they already had. He already he used what they already had, the resources that they already had. That God wants you to take your gifts, whatever limitations you have, and He wants us to give them to Him. And with His multiplying power, as He can serve the body, He can serve people, He will multiply those for His glory for the good of His people. That really, my prayer for, for City Light is that one day when people look back and they say, man, look, look what God did through all that happened in City Light. And they maybe they want to come and they want to see and maybe check the church out. I hope they will be really unimpressed with us. These are just like really ordinary, needy people. That they're not extraordinary, but there's this Jesus, and man, he is extraordinary. Look what he can do. Look how he changes lives. Look how he transforms cultures. And I'm telling you guys that God wants to use whatever you have, even if you think it's, ins it's insignificant. He says, if you'll just surrender and give it to me, he will use it. Darren Portel shared a story in our gospel community a while back about a time when he was serving in Africa. Can I raise your hand back there? So he's serving in Africa, and he was saying that while they were there, they were taking these vaccinations out to people. And as they were serving, they had served all day, they were on their way back home, and they only had one small vial of vaccination left. And as they were driving back, they said people knew who they were, so they stopped the car, there was a couple of people, and they decided, man, this isn't enough for a lot of people, but maybe we can help a couple. So they got out. So they had the small vial that got out, but as soon as they got out of the car, they began to see these crowds and these lines of people begin to line up because they knew who they were. And I mean, Darren is, he knew that. This, there's, this, there's possibly, there's, this is impossible. There's not enough to serve all of these people. 
But they prayed, and the story is that person after person after person, Darren stuck the syringe in the vial, and they got to give the vaccine to every single person that was there. But God can take anything that we have, and if we give it to Him, what is impossible with us is completely possible for Him. And so finally, guys, as we kind of finish our time, the story goes, Jesus sits in front, or stands in front of the people. He takes the five loaves and the two fish, and it says he looks up to heaven and blesses and broke the loaves. That is, Jesus is standing in front of these people, and as he calls them to recline on the grass, it's a picture of a family meal. That Jesus wants you to know, that Jesus wants the crowds to know, that this is the kind of family that he's inviting us into, a good shepherd who gives us rest, who has compassion, who provides. And, and you know what? Praise God. Finally, in verse 42, the disciples got to eat. I mean, that's, the, that's a great part of the story. In verse 42, it says, everyone ate and was satisfied. Right? And this is the thing, that word satisfied doesn't just mean a little bit, it means overflowing. That the point is that Jesus will never leave us wanting. In John 6.35, Jesus says this about himself. He says that I am the bread of life. No one who comes to me will ever be hungry and no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. But if we're honest, the truth is that many times we are often hungry and we are often thirsty. Maybe, and maybe you wonder why. Why, why do I feel like I've gone after all these things and I feel empty? Zechariah 10.2 actually tells us why. This is what the prophet Zechariah says. And he says, idols, this is what they do. They relate empty dreams and they offer empty comfort. Therefore, people wander around like sheep without a shepherd and they suffer affliction. That an idol is whatever you look at and you say in your heart, if only I had that, I would be satisfied. You know, if you, what if you walked into my house and, and you walked into my living room and you discovered that I'd built like this brand new idol shelf? And you, and you would walk in my living room and you would, you would say, Colin, like, as a Christian, as a pastor, why, why in the world would you have this? And you, you, you would 
feel disgusted, you would feel shocked, you might feel a little angry that I have these things in my house. But Jesus would say the very same thing. He'd say, not just do you have them in your house, but why do you still have these things in your hearts? I am the good shepherd who offers you peace, rest, compassion, provision. Why would you go back and worship and bow down to the idol of entertainment or sex or safety or comfort? That Jesus, you guys, is pleading with us. He's persuading us. Come to me. I can fulfill all of your needs. Only in me can you be satisfied. And he wants us to come to him, not just on church on Sundays, but every single day in complete and total dependence upon him. And if you're here this afternoon, you've never actually responded to Jesus' invitation to come to him. That maybe you believe to experience this kind of compassion and care and, and provision, you have to give money to a temple or, or do more things or be a good person. Jesus has something way better for you in the gospel. And he says, the way that you experience, the way that you get to live under my leadership as a good shepherd is through repentance and faith. Repenting of worshiping all these other things, seeking all these other things, and turning your heart in faith and trust in the one who died for you, gave his life for you, and can fill you and satisfy you with his love and with his compassion. Yes, I think as we walk around, you guys, and we see, I mean, especially in this culture, we see these huge, huge temples. Are we moved? Are we moved to, to compassion, to say that there's actually someone who can give you everything that you're looking for here, and he gives it to you out of his grace? Many times I talk to my Taiwanese friends and I'm like, man, you are way more devoted sometimes than even I am as a Christian. And the beautiful thing about the Gospels, it's not about that. He wants to give everything to you through His grace, not because of what you can do, but because of what Jesus has already done. So what I want to do just to close our time is if we could just stand up. And then just, you know, take take a posture of prayer, whatever that looks like for you. Close your eyes, you can leave them open, whatever the whatever prayer looks like for you. Because guys, what, what God has called you to do, what God has called this church to do. 
And we have no other choice but to be in complete and utter dependence upon our good shepherd. So what I'd like you to do is we're going to read Psalm 23 just line by line. I'm going to read one verse, Ephesians going to read a verse. And I just want you to take all those things that you're looking for, all those things that you're asking for, and I want you to put them and receive the care, the love of the good shepherd. Says the Lord is my shepherd, I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life and he leads me along the right path for his name's sake. That even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger for you are with me. Your rod, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you are the good shepherd. God, and you're inviting us to this place where we can receive our rest, we can receive compassion, we can receive provision in you. And Lord, where we have sought those things in other places but you, Christ, we repent. We say, in you, you are enough. Jesus, you're enough. God, fill us again with your goodness, with your power, with your love. God, that people would see your church not as a church that worships an idol who can't speak, but worships the living God who cares, who loves, who has power for his people. What we want to do is we want to just give some time to respond to the to the word of God. So uh, we want to give time if you if you want to receive prayer. We're gonna have a couple people over here on the left who can speak Chinese and English. And if, if you just need prayer that you struggle with anxiety or you any of these things where you're wanting Jesus to come and refresh and renew you, we'd love to pray with you. Amen.